Welcome to Would You Rather, a podcast where Cosmos magazine journalists debate a topic and only one comes out the victor. I'm Ellen Fidian, and the rarest type of bird I've seen in the wild is the Kangaroo Island glossy black cockatoo. And I'm Jacinta Bowler, and I am partial to the tawny frogmouth, the angry puffball of the bird world. Oh, I love a good tawny frogmouth. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, but um, we've actually been having a different bird debate in the office for several months now. Uh, I guess kind of a parochial one, because you are a Queenslander. Absolutely. <laughs> so whether uh, magpies, which you can encounter pretty much anywhere in Australia, or cassowaries, which you don't encounter as much, are scarier. Okay, well, I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious, um, especially as a Queenslander, but we've come up with the question, would you rather encounter two cassowaries or a hundred magpies? And that's just so that we can even out the the scores a little bit. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, yeah, this is the thing, right? Because you, you were, even in Queensland, you would encounter fewer cassowaries in your day-to-day life. Significantly, yeah. Unless you were like a cassowary ecologist or something. Yes, or you lived in a rainforest yeah. in far north Queensland. <laughs> Um, so we've just we framed the debate. It's not like you have to attack two cassowaries or a hundred magpies. So basically, you'd you'd have an encounter with them in a small nature reserve, maybe a block. So you don't have to fight them. You just have to be in their general vicinity. Yeah, yeah. So like a small reserve, say like the reserve that I used to cut across to to get to the train station that had a magpie in it that attacked me every morning. That that <laughs> sort of reserve. And yet you still went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was r- going to run late for the train. <laughs> so um, let's start with a little bit of information on these birds. Jacinta, for those of us who haven't grown up in Queensland, what exactly is a cassowary? Um, okay, well, I feel like if you've ever seen a cassowary in real life, it is not easy to forget. Um, they are, like, huge. So the southern cassowary is the third largest bird in the world. The only ones bigger are the ostrich and the emu. And I reckon out of the three, the cassowary has got the biggest temper. Um, they have these incredible blue necks and then a red wattle. So that's the floppy bit under the chin. And what looks like, like what literally looks like a rock sitting atop their head. It's not actually a rock. It's called a cask. I think that's how you say it. Or you reckon cask? Yeah, probably. It's called a cask. It's like a large skin covered bone that grows up to 18 centimeters over their lifetime. So in other words, they have a fancy bone hat. (laughs) Um, What it's for, though, scientists don't yet know. Um, Their body is mostly covered in black feathers, so not a lot to see here, but their feet are also exceptional. They have real dinosaur energy. They've got these, like, scaly-looking three-pronged toes with really sharp claws. The middle claw in particular is described as dagger-like. It can be up to 12 centimetres long. The, my favourite bit is that in 1958, orthonologist Ernest Thomas Gillard wrote, the inner or second of the three toes is fitted with a long, straight, murderous nail which can sever an arm or eviscerate an abdomen with ease. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Ellen, you know, we know what a magpie is. That doesn't have a murderous finger, I'll tell you what. Well, yes, but for our international listeners, I do feel like I should specify um, the things we call magpies vary from country to country. So when we're talking about a magpie, we're specifically saying an Australian magpie. So they're native to Australia and New Guinea, pretty much all of Australia. There are a few patches of desert that you wouldn't find a magpie in, but most of the rest of the continent, yep. 
Um, there are nine different subspecies of magpie, but they're all the one species, so Gymnorina tibicin. There's a lot of really cool research done on magpies because they are urban birds, because you see so many of them. So A, it's like really easy to do that research. Um, but B, a lot of bird ecologists find them really, really interesting. They're smart, right? They're like really They're smart. They're very, very smart. So there was this wonderful study that I found um, where a bunch of ecologists went out and tagged magpies with these like little tracking backpacks to see where they moved around. Um, and within three days, all of the magpies had figured out how to remove the trackers from each other's backs. So like, and within a couple of hours, the first one was gone. So they were like taking them off each other's backs. So the researchers said that this meant that they were really altruistic birds. I think the magpies just don't want you to know what they're up to. <laughs> they're anti-tracker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I actually, look, um, I think it's extremely telling that ornithologist rhymes with magpie apologist, really. <laughs> We're going to lose all of our bird-like listeners. I like most birds. (laughs) I'm less convinced by magpies. (laughs) That's funny. Um, So, Jacinta, why should we be frightened of cassowaries? How do they respond to people? So, along with ostriches and chickens, they are the only birds that we know of that have definitely killed a human. That's such a weird club. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I think we should do a whole other episode on why chickens kill people, but we'll come back to that later. Um, But despite them being like humongous birds with daggers for toes and bones for hats, they aren't just murderous beings. In fact, they mostly eat fruit, so they're not even killing for food reasons. But it is important to say that just like me, they really love a snack. The vast majority of cassowary attacks came from cassowaries who have been fed by people. A 2003 historical study found that 73% of cassowary attacks involved the birds expecting or trying to get food. So it's possible that the cassowaries were just really hangry. And, you know, I I relate to that very much. Yeah, that's actually, that's kind of understandable. Yeah. Um, Unsurprisingly, they also attack if they've been attacked first, or they can also attack when defending their eggs. You know, basic bird stuff, just much bigger and way more terrifying. So, Ellen, explain to me how this even slightly compares to an Australian magpie. (laughs) So, obviously, in terms of severity attack, uh, of attack, it's not quite the same thing. So Australian magpies do what we call swoop, right? So they swoop Hmm. down and they might like bring their claws out, possibly scratch you a bit. They're probably not intending to hit you, but they sometimes can do that. Um, I often think it's funny, occasionally like a a video of a magpie attacking someone on a bike will go viral and there'll be a lot of um, like foreign people commenting, oh, they probably did something to anger that bird. And I'm like, no, (laughs) not necessarily. (laughs) They were just where they shouldn't be. (laughs) The swooping, though, it's only actually done by male magpies. Um, As most of us know, it's only done really in nesting season. So around September's the peak, but kind of spring. Um, And it's actually only about 10% of the male magpies that do that swooping. So only 5% of them in, of birds in total. Now, the reason they do it is that magpies are incredibly territorial. So if you've got your nesting territory, no other magpies are allowed in that territory. No other magpies are particularly allowed to nest in that territory. So once you've got a pair of birds living there, that's theirs and they have to defend it. Um, And it's actually like, so you need a nesting territory in order to raise young. 
And it's really, really hard to find a nesting territory because there are so many magpies already. And even once you're um, in that territory and ensconced, the survival rate of young magpies is really, really low. So these birds have to put a tremendous amount of effort into raising their young in order to get enough to, like, kind of, you know, reproduce properly. So That's so sad. Yeah, yeah. So so they act really, really aggressively because that's clearly got some kind of – that that's how they – um, so that's how they defend their young, basically. Yeah. It is worth noting that the swooping thing can also be really dangerous for the magpie. If they do hit at a wrong angle, they can break their own necks as well. Oh. So, like, obviously it's a lot less concerning than the cassowary attack, and it's kind of, you know, it's similarly understandable, right? They're protecting their babies. That's how, that's how they figured out that that works. Yeah. But I think that's why we had this number balance, right? We're talking 100 magpies. So while you got two cassowaries, if they don't think you have food, you're probably okay. 100 magpies, I can pretty much guarantee that five of them are going to attack you. <laughs> Only in September, though, which, is, which, to be fair, is what we're coming up to now. <laughs> no. No. Why did she say... Oh, because it's April and I was thinking August. Yeah. Time. Time. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Don't worry about me. Ignore it entirely. I think for the purposes of this argument, we have to say that this is September. Yeah, 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 sure. This is September, yeah. This is in this is in the peak season. But even then, I feel like five magpies... That's five magpies versus potentially two hungry cassowaries. Yeah, yeah. How often do cassowaries actually end up injuring humans, Jacinta? Okay, so here's where cassowaries fall down a bit. So in Queensland, and that's not including New Guinea, where they also live, there's been 150 cassowary attacks on humans that we know of. That's probably at least partially because they live in remote areas, like you said before, Ellen, um, but their habitat has been really decreasing over the years. Um, they live in rainforests most of the time, but they also can live in mangroves and areas like that. Um, and so you're just less likely to encounter a cassowary in the wild. And there are lots of deaths of cassowaries too, like lots of cassowaries get hit by cars or killed by dogs. Apparently in this same study, they found one that died of tuberculosis. So, (laughs) you know, like it's not like we're not doing the killing as well. Um, But someone, like the most recent cassowary death I could find was somebody who died in 2019. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, I will say that this was in Florida. Um, It was a 75-year-old man's pet. He fell over in his backyard and the cassowary um, did the rest. All right. So I'm starting to understand why Americans online will always comment on magpie videos being like, you probably did something to aggravate the bird. (laughs) Yeah, because in in Florida, that's all they do. That's what happens, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is not normal conditions and probably not the kind of thing that we'd have to worry about in our hypothetical nature strip. Another example, a really high-profile example they talk about a lot, is from 1926, I believe. And that guy actually tried to attack the cassowary with his dog and the cassowary was like, nah, mate. And then he also fell to the ground. And when he, when you're on the ground, it's game over. You know, the cassowary is just going to kick you right with his dagger. Um, so, yeah, like... Yeah, a lot of the time, if you're just walking or chilling, you're probably going to be okay. All right, Ellen, I, there's probably going to be more than 150 magpie attacks, so tell me about that. Absolutely. So there's a site called Magpie Alert, which I recommend you register for because it's really handy, particularly if you're a cyclist, for knowing where the like high magpie areas are in September. 
um, where people can report their attacks. There's nothing like it just kind of takes people who report. So, for instance, it reports a tremendous percentage of magpie attacks in Australia happening in the ACT, which I think is probably not the case. I think it's probably just that having lived in Canberra for five years, people in Canberra really like filling out forms. <laughs> I was going to say they're all magpie narcs. <laughs> And it's also, again, like when I lived in Canberra, I just had a bike. I didn't never, I didn't have a car. I rode everywhere and I did it pretty much all on bike tracks. So like it's a very, very bikey city in that way, which means that it's a very magpie city too. So, so I wouldn't say it's super scientific. It's definitely underreporting. But in 2022, 3,346 people reported magpie attacks just in that one year, just to that website. And we know that that's an underreport. We don't know how, by how much, but it's a lot. Yeah. About 450 of those resulted in an injury. Oh. And so, again, that's probably like a larger amount, a larger proportion than in general, because if you get injured by a magpie swoop, you're probably more likely to report it than if you just have a swooping magpie. But with I, I always thought that magpie attacks were more like, like you get swooped by a magpie and then you like fall off the bike or something. Like, is it actually yeah. magpies doing the damage? Yeah, well, it depends. So yes, often that does happen. You can fall off the bike because the magpie is swooping you, but it can also be a scratch eye injuries are the really, really concerning one. If the magpie, if the claws get into your eye and the magpie is not probably doing that deliberately because you know they normally come at you from behind but it's but if it gets in your eye that can be like a genuine magpie caused issue horrifying um public health data is a little bit harder so in 2020 2021 according to the australian institute of health and welfare there were 37 bird related hospitalizations now not all of those were magpies obviously there might be cassowary in there (laughs) there might have been a cassowary in there i guess (laughs) um but i thought it was a fairly high number um the most recent publicly available data on magpies specifically in australia is this eight-year period from 1986 to 1994 so that's pretty old um, but in this period, there were 59 magpie-related hospitalizations over those eight years. There were 15 fractures, 11 cuts, three bites, one hemorrhage, which I really want to know more about. Hemorrhage? Yeah, I know. I, that was all it said, hemorrhage, unfortunately. Um, but eye injuries was a really big one as well. So um, infections after eye injuries as well. <laughs> yeah. I need to go back to the hemorrhage. Maybe, like, the magpie just got into the liver. Maybe it was really smart and, like, realised and just, like, went for the abdomen. <laughs> But I would say it's still like if a magpie swoops at you and you fall off your bike and break your arm, that's still a magpie related injury, right? Like you wouldn't have fallen off your bike if the magpie hadn't been attacking you. Yeah, I guess. But I don't know if you'd if you'd been able to continue and not fall off. Like, are we are we more likely to try and, like, get out of the way or something because we're worried about magpies? Like, if only a certain number of them actually damage people, like maybe. Yeah, but what if it, like, makes contact with you? What if it puts you off balance? What if it's slippery? All of those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, okay, I guess. So, so like, look, it is a real and present danger. I don't have any magpie-related deaths. No one's been killed by a magpie. But you can, like, fairly easily possibly fracture yourself if we're accepting those, but definitely get an eye infection or a cut or a sore. Um, and if you get scratched by a wild animal, then you're going to need to take that to the doctor. Oh, yeah, no, that's really true. So... I'm keen to hear what you can do to avoid a cassowary attack, Jacinta. 
Yeah, look, I think if we want to take anything out of this, it's how to avoid being mauled by a bird. Um, <laughs> so the best thing to do is just avoid them if possible um, and don't get down on the ground. So that makes it easier for them to dagger nail you. So don't do that. Avoid <laughs> avoid being on the ground. Um, so you don't want to turn your back on the bird. You just want to run away. Like just like run backwards. Don't fall over. <laughs> Face them and run backwards. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume you'd be able to turn around. Just don't, like, turn around when you're right next to the bird, right. you know? Um, so there's no actual evidence that jogging or running can incite cassowary attacks. Um, so that's good. So you're fine to run away. Just get out of there as soon as possible. Um, I wanted to mention as well, I feel like I've been like anti-cassowary this entire episode, but they are kind of amazing birds. So there's scientific evidence that in the New Guinea Highland societies, they actually captured and raised cassowaries as a type of poultry, both for food and for sacrifices. So, you know, although it's 100% best if we leave the cassowaries alone because they do have, you know bone hats and dagger nails um it's worth saying that they're kind of magnificent and they are a hundred percent worth protecting so if you haven't seen a cassowary keep it that way they're better off in the wilds um and ellen are there any tips on avoiding magpie attacks yeah ironically face the bird is the same advice that you often get for a magpie attack because they like to come at you from behind so if you turn around and look at them um maybe that will help again um, if like one's actually coming for you, I would say turning around is the best way to expose your eyes. So don't do that. That's why they say to like put eyes on, they like tell you to paint eyes on stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, and again, I think this is not very much help if you're dealing with a hundred of them. Yeah. The magpie apologists, again, the ecologists say that, um, they can recognize faces and they actually, they can stay in the same place for a long time. Sometimes up to 20 years can be the same magpie living in the same place. So if you befriend that magpie, if you feed it a little bit maybe, um, or, you know, um, make sure that you're not like, make sure that you're really gentle around it, then that specific magpie is not gonna hurt you. That's not particularly much use if you're like just cycling through an area, if you're trying to get to work or whatever. Um, but that's handy if there's a magpie like in your backyard, then absolutely befriend it because it will get to know you and that'll be really cool. So are we saying that for cassowaries, do not feed it at all costs and for magpies, feed it yeah, at all costs? Yeah, maybe, maybe feed it a little bit. <laughs> feed it, yeah. Um, they also recommend de-escalating the conflict if you're being swooped by a magpie. So dismount your bike if you're riding, leave slowly, don't like run away. There is an amazing video that I would love to direct our listeners to by a group of CSIRO scientists who had a sweeping magpie um, outside the Black Mountain Laboratories in Canberra. Um, I also think Black Mountain Laboratories is an excellent name for a CSIRO yeah. <laughs> location. I used to jog past that when I lived in Canberra, actually. So they, it's this is not peer-reviewed, but they... Um, they got one of their scientists to ride his bike past a magpie several times to see what caused it to swoop and what didn't, wearing different things on his helmet. So they did the zip ties, they did the eyes, they did different shiny objects and stuff. That specific magpie swooped every single thing except when he wasn't wearing a helmet and when he was wearing a wig over his helmet so that it looked kind of soft. So that specific magpie, it was clearly the shininess of the helmet that was an issue. So if you can get familiar with what your magpie's local magpie is going to swoop and what it's not, that's also worth doing too. There was actually, actually that magpie 
um, that swooped me on the way to the train station. I found carrying a stick in the air for some reason. That magpie was not going to swoop me if I was holding a stick. (laughs) I wonder how much of this is actual, like, you know... um science and how much of this is just like we're holding a stick now i mean i mean csiro scientists did do this work but also it's not been published so um yeah Um, obviously i don't recommend not wearing a helmet but but do try testing other things out i don't recommend not wearing a helmet do recommend wearing a wig over your helmet because that would look hilarious Um, yeah, and I think that 100 magpies would be more interested in trying to gouge out the eyes of each other rather than, than us. Well, like, again, you wouldn't have 100 magpies in one place because they're so territorial. Like, if you've ever seen, like, three together, they'll often be fighting in September. So Yeah, so probably, you probably wouldn't have, but you might have two cassowaries. That could be likely. Exactly. Yay! <laughs> I think this might be the first one I've ever won. Everyone else I've done really badly on. <laughs> Um, I'm so happy about that. Anyway, thanks for listening to Would You Rather. We hope you enjoyed it. The Newsroom will be back next time with a different scientific bind to debate. This podcast is produced by the Royal Institution of Australia in Adelaide on Ghana land. The Royal Institution of Australia is a non-for-profit whose mission is to communicate science widely as the key to a better world. We do this through our daily news stories, which are turned into educational resources, teaching the scientists of tomorrow about the science of today in classrooms across Australia. Support us by subscribing to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's leading print science magazine.